0: started. Okay, I'm coming back up. Here I come. There are three ingredients that are absolutely essential if you're going to accomplish anything in life. And it doesn't matter what area it is in. It may be in your spiritual life. It may be in your marriage at The job, on the job, at school, three things you absolutely, positively have to have. Number one, there has to be desire. Without desire, you are going nowhere and accomplishing nothing in life. Number two, you have to make a decision. At some point in time, either verbally or mentally, you have to say, this is the direction that I have chosen to go in life. This is the goal that I have set out there for myself. I'm going to take the risk and I'm going to lay it on the line. And number three, you have to have determination today. We're going to spend our time talking about this third one. So if you'll go ahead and circle determination, circle it. We're going to talk about it because this is where we have a tendency the most to get discouraged. Generally speaking, we do a pretty good job of, of having the desire to do something and even making a decision about doing it. The problem comes in having the determination to keep going. The problem when you set out to reach a goal is this, you immediately discover that there are all kinds of forces working against you to discourage you and defeat you. From a distance of maybe 8 or 10 miles, you can see all of Mount Everest, you can see the the uh, ground leading up to it, and where the snow line starts, and you can look up to the top of it. And if you did not know better, you would think that you could go up the side of the mountain in the morning, touch the top, and come back down in the afternoon, looking at it from a distance. But you know as well as I do, maybe you watched the National Geographic specials, that when you start to climb it, there's a whole lot of forces that immediately begin to work against you. There's the, the weather. There's the altitude and the amount of oxygen. There are obstacles along the way and all kinds of unseen forces that are at work to keep you from getting to the top. <clears throat> Some of you may be discouraged this morning. And it would be easy to understand why. It may be something in the economy. It may be the two wars that we're fighting. It may be something in your business or in your marriage. A key point is this. In order to be a success, you have to learn to deal with discouragement. That is one of the big key points. No matter what it is that you want to accomplish in life, you have to be ready to deal with discouragement. Many people who fail in life do not fail for lack of talent. Did you hear that? Many who fail do not fail for lack of talent. They fail because they gave up too soon. The Apostle Paul is a great example of a fellow who had determination in spite of all kinds of discouragement. And we're going to look at a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Later in this book, in chapter 11, he shares with his readers in the city of Corinth some of the things that he went through. Beatings, stonings, shipwrecks, No food to eat, in prison. So as he writes the book, there is a part of him that is very discouraged. He says this. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. He says on the outside, it may appear like everything is working against us, but we refuse to give up. Why did He refuse to give up? This is later in the chapter in verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Wouldn't this be a, isn't this a good passage to start the new year with? We do not lose heart. <clears throat> Though outwardly, We are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. He says the reason why we don't lose heart is because we're being renewed on the inside every day, and we're going to talk about that a little later. One characteristic of people who have had a great impact on the world, positively or negatively, is they refuse to give up. Somebody asked this question, do you know what a big shot is? A little shot that just kept shooting. And as you look at people in the Bible, one reason why they were oftentimes successful was not because they were just super talented. It was because they refused to give up. Moses was a man of no great talent. And yet he said over and over, like a broken record to the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, let my people go. Eventually, he let them go. Nehemiah refused to give up in the supervision of the rebuilding of the wall around the city of Jerusalem even though he was being criticized by, by people in the nation as well as the much more powerful nations that surrounded the city. So people often say, well, I just don't have any talent. We look at the some people out there who are just super talented, and then we look at ourselves and say, oh, I don't have any talent at all, or very little talent. Here's the key point. Persistence can produce talent. You just have to keep at it. Okay, Thomas Edison. There's a guy who was known for being persistent in the discovery of the filament light bulb, right? This is Thomas Edison's definition of a genius. 10% inspiration, 90% perspiration. And so you are never a failure until you give up. A persistent person begins his point of success at the point someone else gives up. And so I don't fear failure. I fear giving up too soon when success is just around the corner. So what are some reasons why we often give up too soon? Well, in looking at people in the Bible, I have arrived at four basic general conclusions as to why oftentimes we get discouraged and as a result, do not reach our goals. Number one, we were never serious about it in the first place. We were never serious about our goal in the first place. It will come on. It was only a half-hearted effort to begin with. And this is true in the Christian life. A lot of people become Christians and woo-woo! They're really excited, but then they begin to drift away when things don't meet their ideal. Olympic swimmer. Mark Spitz won seven gold medals in the 1976 Olympics. Four years earlier in the 1972 Olympics, he won zero gold medals, zero medals, no medals at all. And so for four years, he trained several hours a day. He was serious about reaching His goal. Now, I'm not suggesting you and I are all going to go out and win Olympic medals. All right? The principle is that we have to be serious about whatever it is we're setting out to do. If it's a goal of becoming more mature, more uh, Christ-like, then we need to be serious about it if it's developing a you know better relationship in your marriage or with the people you go to school with or work with, we have to be serious about it. So one reason why we often get discouraged and don't accomplish what we set out to do, we really weren't all that serious about it in the first place. Number two, we lose sight of our goal. We lose sight of our goal. We get bogged down in the trivia and the mundane. The daily problems of life come along and we start asking ourselves, why am I even trying to do this in the first place? So the secret to overcoming discouragement is don't take your eyes off the goal. It's uh, that book at the top of your outline. I think it's John White. He says you have to have one hand on your goal and your other hand on the problem at the same time. Now, a lot of times, churches start off with clear goals. We're going to reach the community for Jesus. But after a while, they become complacent and start focusing on maintenance more than on mission, and the focus becomes, well, let's just take care of our own. So one reason why we don't accomplish what we set out to do is because we have lost sight of our goal. Number three, we begin to live by our feelings rather than our commitments we begin to live by our feelings rather than by our commitments. A whole lot of people do not know how to master their moods. Our attitude, which is uh, in our society as, as a whole, is if I don't feel like it, I'm not going to do it. The truth is, Lots of things have been accomplished by people who really did not like it while they were doing it. Suppose your 10-year-old comes to you and says, I have made a decision. I am not returning to school after Christmas break. I need some time to reflect. And so I'm going to be taking a quarter or a semester off. I may return in the fall. I haven't made a decision yet. You look at your child and you say to your child, you're going to school whether you're in the mood for it or not. Whether you feel like it or not. The problem is, our society emphasizes feelings a whole lot more than commitment, right? And so it's tough. Because our society says, you know, if I don't feel like it, then I'm not going to do it. We have to overcome that and start focusing on our commitments more than on just how we feel. Several of you have told me that from time to time you don't feel married. But your spouse reminds you that you are, right? <laughs> okay. Four, sometimes we get discouraged And we don't reach our goals because we're criticized. We're criticized. Every idea, no matter how good it is, has its critics, right? It's dumb. It's impossible. It's too expensive. If you're not careful, it will affect you and you will develop a negative attitude. So here is a key point. If you stay persistent, you will outlast your critics in many cases. So on TV a couple of weeks ago, I was watching the history of Microsoft founded by Bill Gates and Paul Allen. There were times, even up into the early years of the 1980s, there were companies that said, there, there is no future for the personal computer. It's a real joke. And of course, back then, they were thousands of dollars. There were companies who turned down his DOS program, the disk operating system platform, They said, this is ridiculous. We're not interested in it. But Allen and Gates refused to give up, they were persistent, and you know the rest of the story. So here's some practical steps that we can take to overcoming discouragement. Number one is think positive thoughts. Think positive thoughts. Now, let me read the passage. This is Proverbs 4.23 in today's English or the Good News Version. It says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. So think positive thoughts. I am not suggesting that you put on rose-colored glasses. Oh, everything in the world is just fine. You can think positive thoughts and still be a person who sees reality as it is. Let me tell you why this is so important. By the way, here's another passage I I did not get in in the outline. Philippians 4, 8. That's where Paul says, the things that are true and lovely and honorable and pure, think on these things. Let me tell you why this is so important. Here is the typical American day. You wake up to a what? An alarm! An alarm! Who is the fool who named it an alarm? An alarm is for a fire, a tornado, or a nuclear attack. They should have named it the opportunity clock. And so, tomorrow when it goes off, you're going to say, ha! Ha! There's my opportunity clock. I'm going to go turn it off. Isn't that better than alarm? You know it's a whole lot better. Okay, so you're off on the wrong foot because it's an alarm. Now you get some breakfast and you're you're in front of your, your TV before you go to work. And there's all kinds of bad news. I mean, right off from the morning There's bad stuff going. Food prices are are going up. Your house is worth half of the value that it was five years ago. We're fighting a couple of wars. Somebody got hacked up in New Jersey. You have all of this bad news. And so in addition to your own personal problems, you're now carrying the problems of the world around on your shoulders. And then you go to work. And while you're there, You turn on the radio. And what does the radio say? America has gone to hell in a handbasket. Okay, now you come home. It's about six o'clock. Get something to eat. You sit in front of the TV again. And guess what? All of the news of the morning is repeated. Plus all the bad stuff that happened while you were at work. So is it really any wonder that America is becoming a nation of cynics? Come on. Is it really, do you have to have some kind of a doctorate degree to figure out why so many people are becoming cynical? And yet when we look at the principles of the Bible, we find something very different. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 4.16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, I know some of you are. Wasting away. Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. Oh, I love it. This is what separates my lesson from strictly a secular lesson. Now, I know a lot of lessons I could teach at, the, at a state university. But this is what separates it. It says, inwardly, we are being renewed every day. How do you get renewed every day? Two ways, the Word of God and prayer. If you will incorporate those two things into your life, it will produce positive attitudes. And even the most gruesome stories in the Bible often have very positive lessons that we can learn from them. So learn to draw strength from the presence of God in your daily life. And remember that one of the reasons why we come to church is to get our batteries recharged. This may be the only positive hour you have all week. That's why we need to call it our positive hour of power. (laughs) Okay. So think positive thoughts. I hope Norman Vincent Peale doesn't get too upset with me on that. I think he's been gone for several years. He may have had the original hour of power. Number two, learn to relax. Sounds easy enough. Application of it's rather tough. Learn to relax. This is Proverbs fourteen thirty in the living paraphrase. A relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. Jealousy rots it away. A lot of people don't know how to relax because they don't know how to work. They go to work and goof off and then they come home and go to work. Got all mixed up. D.L. Moody, well-known religious guy a couple of generations ago, you maybe have heard of Moody Publishing or the uh, Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. This is what he said. I have never known God to use a discouraged person. That's true. When the book of Jeremiah opens up, Jeremiah, is he, he's, he's just in a funk. He just doesn't know what to do. Lord, I cannot accomplish this assignment because dot, 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 one, two, three, A, B, C. The Lord has to lift Jeremiah out of his discouragement before he can use him. In 1 Kings 19, the prophet Elijah is is in this cave. He's totally depressed. He's suicidal. God has to bring him out of his depression before He can use him and send him on a new assignment. So how do you keep going when the rest of the pack has dropped out? Number one is fill your mind with positive thoughts. Number two, Learn to relax. Three, pace yourself. You've heard the adage, Rome wasn't what? Rome wasn't built in a day. In a 26-mile marathon, you cannot run all out like a crazy man or a crazy woman for the first mile and then expect to lead for the next 25. You have to pace yourself for the long haul. Now, this is Romans 12. This is just a great passage. And by the way, the Christian life is not a hundred meter dash, is it? It's, it's the long long haul. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, that's all of the great men and women he's talked about in the previous chapter, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with patience the race marked out for us. Now, I was reading this uh, last week, and I, I, this phrase, let us run with patience. How do you run a distance race with patience? You run it with the understanding that you're not going to win in the first 10 seconds. Make an application of this metaphor to life. If you set out to accomplish everything in a very short period of time, you are going to get discouraged. It's amazing to me how many phrases we have in the English language that deal with persistency and not giving up here's a couple life by the yard is hard but inch by inch anything's a cinch okay. how do you eat an elephant right that's right one bite at a time if you try to eat the entire elephant all at once you could get elephantitis what a- Someone asked the English General Wellington who defeated the French General Napoleon at Waterloo. This was back when the English whipped it up on the French. How did you do it? And supposedly, General Wellington's response was something like this. The English army always has the ability To fight for 15 more minutes. In other words. When the others are at the point of giving up. We're ready to go another round. How many football games have you watched this season. That were won in the last few seconds. Yeah. Whole lot right. So let God. Help you. Set your pace now here's the principle it's in first corinthians 10 13 if you'll write that down in the margin of your outline first corinthians 10 13 it says that god is not going to lay on us more than we can handle but with every temptation he will leave for us a way of escape now here's the principle god is not going to put on us More than we can handle. That's what the passage says. So, if there's a whole lot of stuff in your life that is weighing you down and you're not able to accomplish, maybe it's because you're trying to do some things that are not the Lord's will. So maybe each of us needs to take a close look at our lives. Exactly what are we spending a lot of our time doing? Maybe we're doing some things we shouldn't be doing and it's taken away from doing the things that we know God wants us to do. The Lord says He's not going to lay on you more than you can handle. So don't be distracted by critics or circumstances and remember, if you have to take a detour, that doesn't mean you've lost the war. Edmund Burke, the famous statesman to whom several quotes are attributed, said this never despair but when you do despair work on in that despair we have to be ready to work on when we are in despair so keep going whether you feel like it or not that's one of the secrets to success now don't ignore your critics I think you need to weigh any criticism that comes your way because oftentimes there is at least a kernel of truth in it. But weigh it. But don't be discouraged or overcome by it. And then four is affirm God's promises. Affirm God's promises. Look to them for spiritual strength in helping you to overcome discouragement. Now here's a few verses that have helped me in my times of personal discouragement and depression. Galatians 6, nine. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So, God wants to you to have a harvest of good, but the key is you can't become weary and you can't give up. Philippians 1.6 Being confident of this, that He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What this is saying in practical terminology is God is not going to leave you out on a limb. If you are working towards some goals that you have set as a result of Bible study and prayer, He's going to help you reach those goals or at least He's going to allow some circumstances to come into your life to move you in the direction that He wants you to go. Philippians 2.13 For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. It is God who is working in you. And He is working in you to accomplish His good purpose. And do you know what that purpose is that He has for you? In one word, it's Christ-likeness. In everything that He allows to happen to you, He wants to use it to develop more Christ-likeness in your life. King David is very discouraged because members of his family, as well as citizens of his country and his military, have been taken captive by the enemy. It's a very depressing time for David because he thought that God was on his side and now the enemy has defeated them, carried away his family and people of his country. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters, but... David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. That's great, isn't it? I mean, the people want to stone him, but David learned to encourage himself in the Lord. He learned to keep going on. Determination is just another word for faith. Did you hear that? Determination is just another word for faith. Here's a quote from Jerry Falwell who passed away a few years ago. You don't determine a man's greatness by his talent or his wealth or his education or his ability. You determine his greatness by what it takes to discourage him. Regardless of what you thought of Falwell's theology or politics, you have to admire the guy For standing up for what he believed, even while he was being crucified by the news media and people even in the religious world. So fill your mind with prayer and the Word of God. And remember that God's encouragement is the antidote to your discouragement. Let God encourage you. So, what has you discouraged this morning? What do you feel like giving up on? I gave you a a moment to pause uh, just so you could think about that. Okay, so you have something in mind, right? I want to ask you some questions about it. This particular thing that's discouraging you. Maybe it's a goal that you've set out to reach, but you haven't gotten there is it possible that you never made a serious commitment in the first place is it possible that your heart was never in it to begin with another question have you lost sight of your goal exactly what was your original goal if you compared your original goal to what you're trying to do now would would they be in the ballpark are you living on emotions more than on commitments. Are you worried about what other people think? Maybe criticism has caused you to drop out of a goal or give up on a goal that you believe God has given you. If you feel like you have wasted your past, you're up to your neck in problems, then you need to turn your life over to Jesus Christ And incorporate these principles. Now, what I just said was two things, not one thing. Number one, you have to turn your life over to the Lord. Number two, you have to incorporate these principles and start doing what you know to do. If you simply turn your life over to the Lord and sit in a chair and expect some kind of magical power to come over you and all of a sudden everything is just fine and dandy, it isn't going to happen. You turn your life over to Him. You start doing what you know you need to do and then you trust Him to bless your efforts. Would you remember? that God is a specialist in turning crucifixions into resurrections? And I'm not just talking about the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. I believe there's an application of it to your life and mine. We at this church have personally seen the Lord Jesus Christ resurrect dead marriages. We have seen Him resurrect people's spiritual lives we have seen him give people some direction in life meaning in life remember that you're never a failure until you give up and even if you've given up the lord hasn't given up on you you know why i know that because everybody sitting here is still breathing. If you're taking in air, letting out whatever comes out, there's hope for you. It's not over. It's not over until you're gone. Right now, you can make a decision. Great time. I mean, any time's a great time, but the beginning of the new year. Make a decision if you haven't made one. If it's a personal commitment that you need to make or, or renew, do that. If it's a decision to become a Christian, be baptized, let me or someone else assist you in meeting that goal. God wants you to walk out of here completely confident in your relationship to Him. First John 5.13, John says, I wrote this book to you so that you may know that you have eternal life. And that word know means know as in not having anything beyond a reasonable doubt. You, you know for sure. So if you have a need, please let us know what it is while we stand and sing.